What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. On the line with me is my buddy, Robert Silva, who writes a column for us, who does podcasts with us, and is one of the guys I call when a big fight is upcoming. Robert, what's going on? Hey, good evening, Garrett. Good evening, fight fans. We got a few things to talk about, but we can start off with the big heavyweight unification title fight Saturday night. The winner to be not only the lineal heavyweight champion of the world, but the only world title I recognize, the ring heavyweight championship of the world. So, actually... Before we get to the fight, because because I mean I kind of want to I want to talk a lot about this fight, and right. you have a you have a huge historical perspective about boxing, and I want to get your thoughts on just like kind of comparing it to other fights of this magnitude. But before that, um, I want I actually want to talk to you about the series that you've been writing for us. Uh, and we'll we'll get into that in a second. Also, I want to ask you about some fights that that you've seen this year, and then we'll get into Fury and Wilder. You know, we we have some time here. The, the, I've yeah. actually I was gonna do this as a as a segment uh, just to to add on to the show that John and I do on Thursday evening. But instead, I'm gonna you know because I want to spend time with you you know longer than twenty or twenty five minutes. Uh, I'm just going to turn this into an extra episode, so we we have time. So first of all, uh, the show is actually brought to the listeners by BetOnline.ag, and uh, so let's talk about your series, um, and then you've you've been writing a a bunch of uh, a bunch of stuff for us, and and the most recent version of that was the uh, super lightweight your your top five greatest super lightweights of all time and at the top of that list was a man who i feel like i don't think aaron pryor has been forgotten but because of the kind of the way that his career ended and and he you know unfortunately also passed away at a, at a somewhat young age um i don't think people really remember just the uh you know the impact that that he made there in in the mid 80s early to early to mid 80s when you know he was he was a guy who people would rather not fight because there was so much risk in fighting him and maybe not enough reward because of his name you know and his name hadn't gotten big yet he is the most underrated legendary fighter in the history of boxing. The only other guy that comes close is the body snatcher, Mike McCollum, another great fighter from the mid-1980s, who a lot of the fabulous four, uh, Leonard, Hearns, McCallum, I mean, Mike McCollum, Leonard, Hearns, Duran, Hagler, didn't fight and deserved the fight. Uh, Arid Pryor, what a beast, I mean, I didn't like the guy when I first started started seeing him fight, and he beat one of my all-time favorite fighters in Alexis Aguayo. I almost cried that night, but, <laughs> man, was I, I was impressed. He was a beast. He could beat you from the outside, from the inside. There's not a single fighter to, that I've ever seen in the junior welterweight division that could have beaten this man when he was on point. When he was in shape, when he was focused, he was an animal. And you're right, Garrett. He has never received his just due in terms of his boxing greatness. He's in my all-time top 10 greatest fighters of all time. And like I said in my article, the only defeat he ever suffered was at the hands of cocaine. Because there wasn't a man alive in the ring during his prime that he stepped in the ring with that had a chance of beating him. And that was including the great Alexis Aguayo, who hit him with everything but the kitchen sink. And all Pryor did was smile at his ass. So uh, the the series, uh, if you want to go to fightgamemedia.com, just click on the boxing tab and you'll see all of the of the articles that Robert wrote on that series. What's what's your new series, by the way? What, what weight class are you attacking for, for the new series? Which well, the first one will be up pretty much by the time people listen to this. Um. I recently finished the 140-pound division, the super lightweight division, where, like you said, Aaron Pryor is my number one. I just submitted two articles to you for the super featherweight division, which is a weight limit of 130 pounds. And, I mean, I've got, I have already started writing my third article for you, which I will email you tomorrow. And 
the um, the amount of talent in both the 140 and 130 pound all time weight classes are very comparable. We're talking about legends from all over the world, and something that these fighters, especially from other countries, for example, 140 pound class, we have Antonio Kid Bombalay Cervantes, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez. These guys fought all over the world. They didn't just fight in the United States. Tomorrow you'll be releasing the, uh, one of the all-time great Filipino fighters of all time, the first legendary Philippine fighter, Ga- Gabriel Flash Alorde. He fought everywhere. He fought everywhere. That's what I loved about these fighters. They go into your backyard and they kick your ass. And speaking of Alexis Arguello, he will be a subject of one of the all-time great 130-pound fighters because at 130, he was damn near invincible. And he, too, would go into your backyard and kick your ass. That's what I loved about these fighters back then. Today, uh, Garrett, fighters don't travel anymore. Mm-hmm. It's rare. Uh, Naoya Inoue is finally going to fight in America this year. He's been fighting in Japan his entire career. Fighters have become regional according to their country, and I understand why. In Tokyo, Inouye make a lot more money and has made a lot more money than coming to America before he signed with top rank. The British fighters, Anthony Joshua, uh, Tyson Fury, Billy Joe Saunders, and and, um, and and their ilk will make much more money fighting in England in front of bigger crowds than if they came to the United States. But back in the 80s, the 60s, the 70s, and 80s, which are most of these fighters that I talk about, they they went all over the world, and they drew wherever they went. So I think I think you and I have had this conversation before, but you know, for people who have who haven't heard you tell this story, basically, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell everybody what I receive when Robert starts writing his uh, his series. So I receive an email that is sent from his iPhone <laughs> of. And, and 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 you know it's it's sent to me pretty much in 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 full form. It's not like I have to edit you know very rarely anything. And like, how do you come up? Like, are, are how much research are you doing? How much off the top of your head, just from your own historical knowledge? Like, when you're crafting these things together, what what is the process that that you take to to uh, for the output? To make sure that everything is accurate, I always. Did- and this is my favorite boxing website, BoxRec. BoxRec is a very accurate because they have members of the International Boxing Hall of Fame, writers from all over the world, fact check the records on that website. So BoxRec, if people want to see people, all legendary fighters, or even today, they ha- if you have one professional fight, you're on BoxRec. They, they have every fight that ever occurred in the history of boxing professionally is on BoxRec. What I do is, for example, Aaron Pryor. I type up his, his uh, record on BoxRec. And I, of, of the fights I watched. And I also have my own database of the over 20,000 fights I have on video. And I match up and I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I put that there, and then I go ahead and start writing my article, and off the and and, I could, and off the top of my head from memories. Now, guys like Gabrielle Flash Alorty, your first um, your your the first article for 130 pounds that I sent to you the other day that you'll be publishing tomorrow. When I when I I have a few of his fights, but not not a lot of his fights on video. I will, before I write an article, I'll watch a full fight. And then I'll be like, okay, all right. And I'll take notes, and then I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the article. So basically, that, that's how I write my articles for you. So there is one major inspiration that comes up, I think, in just about every article you write, which is a, a memory of watching that particular fight or one of those particular fights, with your dad, as far yes. as 
As far as, uh, you know, the the fight fan that your dad was, because obviously he was such a huge influence on you, like, like what's his background as far as becoming, uh, or as being a fight fan, and then also helping you become just this person who has 20,000 fights on, on video? You know, that's how big of a fan you are. My father's, my grandfather, my father's father, was an amateur boxer. Matter of fact, uh, he even sparred with Jake LaMotta, and Sugar Ray Robinson, and whenever they came to Puerto Rico, they would use him as a sparring partner. He wasn't that good. He had a great chin, so they could bounce punches off of my grandfather. May he rest in peace. And then my father was an aspiring amateur boxer in Spanish Harlem here in New York. And had he not become a drug dealer and a heroin addict, I run into people all the time that knew my father from back in the day. And they were like, oh, my God, your father was so talented. If, 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 yeah, if, you're right. When my father was locked up in Clinton Correctional Facility and Comstock Correctional Facility in upstate New York, he won amateur tournaments, the prison tournaments, in both prisons. And he was a bad dude with the fist. Unfortunately, his vices kept him from um, seeing that talent. For, but... When I, when, when I was a little boy, when I was, he taught me how to read by having me read the back pages of the New York, Sport, New York Post and Daily News sports pages and the Ring and World Boxing magazines. And from four or five years old, I would be sitting next to him watching the fights. Uh, but my first real recollection wasn't until I was seven when they showed the Thriller in Manila on a month delay on ABC's Wildwell of Sports where Howard Cosell was calling the fight between Ali and Frazier, the third fight, and still, in my opinion, the greatest fight in the history of boxing. Uh, your boy Big Dave does six-star ratings, seven-star ratings. That was a ten-star rating fight. That mm-hmm. fight was <laughs> And from there on, I would, would, would read anything I could on boxing. And like I told you, in 1977, the first fighter that I, that I watched and followed from the very beginning of his career was Thomas Hearns. I was an Alexis Arguello, Roberto Duran, and Ali fan, but they were already they were already seasoned veterans. Thomas Hearns was the first guy I started watching. So my father, and like, just like your father was a 49er fan and, and, and is a Giant fan, we tend, men tend to follow the sports and the teams that their fathers did. Mm-hmm. I never understood... I never understood how a guy, his father's a New York Giant football fan, but then he turns into a Dallas Cowboy fan's <laughs> son. I, I never understood that. <laughs> my, my father was a Met fan. I'm a Met fan. My father was a Sixer fan. I'm a Sixer fan. My father was a huge boxing fan, and I'm a huge boxing fan. My father was never a big football guy. Uh, he loved Lawrence Taylor, but he didn't follow any teams. I became a Saint fan young but it had and nothing to do with my father because he really wasn't into football. His sports were baseball, boxing, and basketball. And those those are the ones that I followed, especially when it came to the Mets and the Sixers. And they've been breaking my heart ever since. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let, let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff that we've seen this year. And we're going to use this opportunity for our betonline.ag segment here. We're going to call this one the betonline.ag fight of the year so far. We're only two months, not even fully two months into the uh, boxing season yet. But um, so uh, betonline.ag is your online sports book expert. You can use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, B L U E. W-I-R-E, for a 50% welcome bonus. So I know that just about every weekend, you've got some event, some boxing fight, whether it's from DAZN, whether it's from ESPN+, um, going on, and, and you're following, because I, mm. I see your tweets as well. Yep. So, so far in this young, in this young year of, the, uh, of 2020, what has been your fight of the year? My fight of the year so far, it is very early, very, very, very early. And this fight, to be honest with you, 
would 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 not be the fight of the year. It's not going to be the fight of the year. But the best fight I've seen so far is also the biggest upset of the year, and that's Jason Rosario's shocking fifth round stoppage of J Rock Julian Williams. Mm, yes, that- tremendous fight, tremendous war. Um, Jason Rosario never never impressed me until that night. Jason Rosario to me was a run of the mill slugger who with a great. He's got a great left hook. He's a very good body puncher. But I never saw him with the talent to beat a guy like J-Rock. Right. He impressed He impressed the hell out of me. And Jason Rosario might be one of those type of fighters, and we've always seen this in the history of boxing, that will get better as, as he becomes champion. A lot of fighters, the best example I ever saw was Lupe Pintor, 1980s WBC Bantamweight champion, who... The judges robbed Carlos Cerrate back in 1979 of a 15-round decision. They, they, they Christmas-wrapped this victory to Lupe Pintor, and all Pintor did was hold that penalty championship for the next four or five years, and he got better with each fight. Rosario has that type of potential. All right, there you have it. Roberts, fight of the year for the betonline.ag Fight of the Year so far segment. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, all in one word, for a 50% welcome bonus. All right, now let's get into the nitty-gritty here, which is this weekend's huge fight. Um, I I think where I want to start is, so, you know, where we left off from the last fight was that they decided to not have an immediate rematch. They did not go uh, the route of, uh, of Anthony Joshua. And, you know, the fight was a draw. And so they could have clearly gone back to the, uh, you, know, you know, to that fight immediately for both guys. But the decision was, you know, Wilder's going to fight uh, once or twice. Fury's going to fight twice. Wilder actually took harder fights than than fury did fury was yes. trying to come over to the u.s for to to create a presence in the u.s which was a strategic uh thing that i think to to some extent did work even though he didn't really sell many many tickets to these to these fights mostly because of his, his opponents were also nobodies but mm-hmm. what did you think of that strategy of let's let's wait a couple of years and uh, build up the fight so that when we come back, it feels a lot bigger than if we would have just gone right back to it. I hate it. I hated it. I hate. I hate that strategy. Too many things could go wrong in boxing. We've seen shocking upsets in Tyson, <clears throat> Tyson Fury's last fight. He was badly cut, and he was hurt badly in the twelfth and final round. He could have easily lost that fight, and there goes the rematch with uh, Deontay Wilder. I hated that strategy. They were supposed to fight six months after the draw, supposed to fight in 2019, last May or June. Tyson Fury signs with Top Rank and ESPN Plus, which further delayed the rematch, and he went and fought two guys that he had no business fighting. One guy he disposed of in two rounds. The other guy gave him Gave him all the hell in the world. I hate that strategy. Wilder took, like you said, took Dominic Brazil. Wilder could have gone in there blindfolded. He would have still knocked out Brazil. Brazil's, <laughs> a, Brazil's a stiff. But Luis Ortiz almost knocked him out the first time they fought and was winning every round before Wilder landed that spectacular right cross, the knockout of 2019, to win that fight. Wilder took a chance with, with, with Ortiz, and Fury took a chance, period. Because I remember my father used to tell me this as a little boy, and it holds true to this day. Perfect example is the, the first Joshua Ruiz fight. And I remember my father screaming at me years ago when Ernie Shavers hit Larry Holmes with a spectacular right cross, and Holmes had to do everything he could to survive and knock him out two rounds later. When you got heavyweights in the ring, all it takes is one punch. No matter how good you are, all it takes is one punch. When one, when a 220, 230, 240, 250-pound man is hitting you, no matter how good your chin is, he hits you right, it could be over. And so I hated that strategy, and both men were lucky 
to uh, be able to fight again because either one easily could have lost. Ortiz could have found a way to win a 12-round decision, and they could have they could have easily stopped that Fury fight, his last fight against Waleen on cuts. I, I said two years. What I meant was is that the first fight happened at the end of 18, and here we are in 2020. It was, an, it was like more like 15 months or something like that. No, no, like 15 months, but still, they should have fought six months later. Okay, so to the counter to what you just said is the fact that they did get through it, actually, and so now we are here. Doesn't this fight feel a whole lot bigger than a fight would have felt in the uh, middle of, of 2019? It just feels like... Promotion-wise, the build uh, for this has been fairly strong and probably stronger than it would have been if they went right back to it. Uh, you, you're probably right because it's, 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 got, it's occurring now in February where there's no other big fight in boxing landscape on the horizon. There's no other big fight. If they would have fought last May or June, you got Joshua's debut in Madison Square Garden. That was June 1st. You got Cinco de Mayo, Daniel Jacobs versus uh, 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 Canelo. So you you have other fights that will be interfering with the business standpoint of, of this fight. Today, there's no excuses. Pay-per-view-wise, everything-wise, there's nothing else on the horizon. This fight, and you're right, this fight will do more business today than would have done eight months ago. Fury... Um, he he decided he was going to come to the U.S. He was going to get a U.S. promoter who was going to help him with uh, the visibility. ESPN Plus, Bob Arum, Top Rank, like we just mentioned. The, it, it's very it's very clear that Fury. You, you know, you mentioned uh, you mentioned fighters. You know, you know, not traveling, but he he decided that the money was going to be here. The big fight was going to be with Wilder. He could have decided that the big fight was going to be with Joshua, and and he wouldn't have had to do all of the things that he just did to come to the U.S. Why why do you think he chose the strategy that he did? Well, unfinished business. The first fight was a draw, and I Fury. I believe the type of fighter that he he cannot fight Joshua until the score would. Wilder is settled. No, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. It just seems logistically that you have a gigantic fight. You could, you know, probably would have happened in the UK. You also have to understand this. Just because they're both British fighters doesn't mean that the fight is easy to make. No, 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 no. Totally agree. Fury, Fury is at odds with Eddie Hearn, who used to be his promoter. Right. And... That fight could have easily been made two, three years ago. It's no, it's not, it's it's nowhere near close to being made. Even Fury wins on Saturday night, they've got a rematch clause, and I think the reason they put that rematch clause in both Fury Wilder is to guarantee them another big payday because mm-hmm. that Joshua fight's not happening anytime soon. Right? No, I no, I t- I totally agree. I, I just thought. Yeah. You know, I, I thought it was interesting. I just thought that the entire strategy was interesting to become a U.S. a U.S. star first to build up for the Wilder fight. And look, I, I think it was actually the right idea. I just thought it was a it was pretty savvy. And at the time, I thought, wow, you know, this guy's betting huge on himself to be able to cross over. And I, I wouldn't say that he's crossed over completely, but he's definitely made himself a star here. Well, what do you think? What do you think about the idea of uh, the Super Bowl commercials? I thought that was pretty cool. You know, the, those that's the biggest uh, the biggest commercial day of the year is during the Super Bowl, and they had two commercials there hyping this fight. I thought, you know, that that they're putting money where their mouth well, is on this one. Well. It only makes sense. Fox aired the Super Bowl. Fox is co-promoting this pay-per-view. It only makes sense to use the biggest uh, television attraction of the year to promote your pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, so... Well, put it this way. I doubt if CBS had the Super Bowl that that commercial would have aired during that Super Bowl. So, if you think back... Again, you know, you are a huge boxing historian. In the heavyweight division, 
from what you have seen with your own eyes, what's the feeling as far as as far as evoking? you know, this big heavyweight fight uh, night. Are there fights that you can sort of think back about where they felt uh, the same as this? Does it feel the same as some of those big Tyson fights to you? Well, actually, uh, it harkens back to Holmes versus Cooney. That was a, that was pushed. Hev- How old were you at the time? Um, you was like six, seven years old at the time. When- uh, we're talking 82. 82. Were you about six years old at yeah, the time? Yeah, I was probably six. All right, so you, you wouldn't remember the... I mean, I was 15 years old at the time, and talk about being pushed to the limit. This fight was talked about for six months straight, and this is before social media. Cable television is at its infancy. You still basically have ABC, CBS, NBC, newspapers, and, and you don't even have sports talk radio yet. And this was... Everywhere. Posters everywhere. Larry Holmes versus Jerry Cooney. That fight, in my opinion, was bigger than any Mike Tyson fight until Mike Tyson fought Evander Holyfield the second time. Because the first time people thought Tyson was going to kill Evander Holyfield. Because when Tyson fought, they were big fights. But people were expecting Tyson to win. Mm -hmm. Holmes, wow. Anybody that was a true boxing fan knew Jerry Cooney didn't stand a chance against Larry Holmes, but the regular, the ca- the, the not-so-casual boxing fan, the regular person, the white Anglo-Saxon person was betting heavily and rooting heavily for Jerry Cooney. I, uh, in, com- in terms of heavyweight boxing, that to this day, in my watching a fight, watching boxing since 1977, because that's when I consider my fan in the beginning. 74, 75, 76, I'm a little boy. I'm not grasping the term. 77, when, I, when I'm eight turning into nine, that's when I'm studying the sport. That's when I'm a huge fan. That's when I began. That is the single biggest heavyweight fight in the 43 years I've been watching boxing. And that fight also had an interesting build which I, I think you could probably <laughs> that build was a little closer to say like McGregor and Mayweather than that as far as like the hints of of you know some racism and and, and yes. stereotypes and stuff uh, that that this I don't sense that this has that no 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 even though uh, Wilder did come out today and made fun of uh, Fury's bipolar. Which is a you know come on leave that alone yeah you bigger than that Deontay, but other than that now uh, these two, I think these two guys really like each other I don't see any hatred to, uh, toward, to, towards each other while Holmes and Cooney while Cooney and you know Cooney was a real nice guy still is a very nice guy Jerry Cooney has done so much for boxers since he retired in helping them uh, get funded for brain damage and so forth holding chari- charitable. Uh, uh, affairs for boxers that are in rough times. Uh, he helped Iran Barkley a lot. And Jerry Cooney and Larry Holmes today are good friends. Back in 1982, because of the, the racial climate, and I mean, it's like Cooney was the great white hope, blah, blah, blah. You know, People just hoping that this guy who had one good hand and but couldn't fight. He was, he was a guy who could punch. But that said, he couldn't do anything else. He was a real nice guy, and he bought he, he bought into the hype because after Holmes put him away, he cried we, in the middle of the ring, and he was like, oh, I'm sorry, I let America down. No, no, you let yourself down. <laughs> you let yourself down. <laughs> so um, you don't see any of that. You don't see any of that, and I'm glad, despite the fact that you do have the white versus black angle like you did back in 82, but um, thankfully— it hasn't gotten there. We haven't had, oh, that white boy can't fight. Oh, oh, that 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 boy can't fight. You don't hear any of that, which, thank God. Thank God. Do you sense that the public is leaning one way or the other? I, I see it split down the middle. That's, that's I how mean, I feel, too. It's split down the middle. I mean, Deontay is a slight favorite, which surprised me. I thought Fury would be the favorite. No, but Deontay is the slight favorite. It's, it's split down the middle, except among 
heavyweight boxes. Uh, heavyweight boxes were polled the last week. Um, I think out of 20 heavyweight boxes, including Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, Larry Holmes, uh, 19 out of the 20 picked Wilder by knockout. Wow. Yeah. That's that. That's. That's that's kind of where I'm leaning to, um, though. Fury Fury was so uh, he was so slick in that first fight, and uh, I, I don't know. I, we'll, we'll get to we'll get to our predictions in a second here, yeah. but um, just kind of going back to Holmes and Cooney, I got to talk to Larry one time. I got to interview. I him. remember you telling me. I remember you telling and, me. And um, you know, Larry, Larry, it, it, to, at least as far as I could tell, and this is you know, we're talking like. 2010 here so so this is not the larry from when you know even close to his fighting days but it just i i just sense that any like like he sat there saying okay i'm better than anybody and i am just like he's like the rodney dangerfield of boxing he just felt so disrespected that that was kind of his drive to to you know for for to beat jerry cooney it's like how can you guys even believe that this guy has a shot? Like, what are you talking about? Like that, that it seemed to me that that's really what drove him was the, the fan base. Obviously he's following in Ali's footsteps. So that's going to be a, a, a mark against him. But just the fact that he's like, look, uh, you know, I, I, I just retired or at least almost retired Ali. And now, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, disrespected in this way where people don't see me as as great as i am and then that from what i could tell that's what drove him let me tell you something the disrespect was real the disrespect was unfair very unfair the disrespect was so bad that go back and watch the introduction of the fight larry holmes is the heavyweight champion of the world forget wbc forget wba he's the man who beat the man who beat the man he's the heavyweight champion of the world and He's introduced first, and Jerry Cooney's introduced last. That's some bullshit. Straight, unadulterated bullshit. And when that happened, my father was hoping he could bet more people. Because, oh, no, <laughs> Larry's going to kill this guy. How do you do that? That doesn't. And what really upset me, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a 14-year-old boy watching this fight with my father in a movie theater. And we see this, and I'm like, pop. Don King is a black man. He's the promoter. He, he he rules boxing. Why did he allow this? How's it gonna let Jerry Cooney be introduced? That's for the champion. And Jerry Cooney never beat anybody. Jerry Cooney beat a bunch of old men. Jimmy Young was 65. Ken Norton was 75. Ron Lyle was 90. <laughs> I, how's he introduced after Larry, after the world, heavyweight champion of the world? Hey, my father said, relax. We're gonna be eating good tonight because I got at least five. I'm winning at least five hundred dollars tonight. But my father agreed. My father like you don't do that. You know you think Muhammad Ali, if he would have fought Jerry Cooney, it, it could have been the forty two year old decrepit uh, Sansa Parker says Ali. Ali's not gonna be introduced first. Cooney's gonna be introduced first. That's the the the, the, the level of disrespect that Larry Holmes received when he was the heavyweight champion of the world and the second or third best fighter on the planet. You know, the, the comparison with how Ali would have treated that versus how Holmes would have treated that, to Ali, it would seem at least, you know, I, I, I was too young to, to even see him, but it would seem that Ali would understand the promotional side of that, use that to drive up the, 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 the business, and then... You know, maybe even carry Jerry for a little bit, just so that you know he could he could put him away whenever he wanted, and probably not even train all that well for that fight. But that seems to be the difference between Ali and Holmes. Like Ali, because he was so renowned and he was seen as the greatest, he could he could drive the business up and really not fall into the to the frustration that maybe Larry had because of the way that that it was promoted when he was champion. Ali would have had a field day. Ali never had a contender, a white contender, hyped and built to the max like a Jerry Cooney. If Ali in his prime would have had a Jerry Cooney built like that, you know he would have came out with the with the Nation of Islam rhetoric, you white devil, this, oh, it would have, 
they would have they would have been checking guns at every movie theater in, in America that showed inside <laughs> a closer. <laughs> Ali would have had a field day and it would have done record business that to this day would not be broken. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're now going to take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all things sports. March Madness, the Masters, Major League, opening days right around the corner. Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. The best part is when you sign up, you receive a 50% welcome bonus. The Wilder Fury rematch goes down this Saturday night. We can't think of a better way to wager on the fight than doing it with actual free money. So head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up. It's super easy. And if you're already into betting, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let, let's talk about the sort of the strategy on this fight, and then we'll give our predictions here in a second. But uh, Fury has come into, uh, into camp. He came into camp and is coming into this fight much bigger than the first fight. He's made promises of going in there and slugging. Uh, he's, he's, he's wanted to come in stronger. He, he and his, his former trainer agreed to part ways so he could go back to, uh, to the cronk side of things. Uh, what, what did you think about just this mentality? I, I don't know how much of it I believe, but he did actually come in bigger, which probably hurts the movement and the slickness that he showed off in that first fight. I think it's all BS. I think he's trying to... It's his psychological welfare. There's no way in the world he's coming at Wilder. No. No. He doesn't He doesn't have the power to do that. His best bet is to box. If he came at Wilder, he's getting knocked out within three or four rounds. He's not doing that. He's not doing that. And that's not Fury's game. Fury is not a knockout puncher. He's not. You look at his career. He's not. He's a slick boxer. When he does knock you out, it's an accumulation of punches, and he doesn't throw enough punches. He doesn't accumulate enough punches to knock out Wilder. He has to beat Wilder by decision because, as you saw in the first fight, every time he traded with Wilder, he was the two times he was on the canvas, even in the last round when he stuck his head out and he almost had to be carted off on a stretcher. But why, so, what's the size for? Do you think the size is for to be able to take a little bit more punishment? It has, has to be because the one, the the two things that have held Fury back from being an all-time great, and he's got to overcome this, is his chin and his stamina. Not saying that he has a shaky chin, but when he gets tired, a la Thomas Hearns, a la John Tate from back in the day, these guys had good chins early in the fight, but when they got tired, they couldn't take as, as good a punch. Fury, in his fights against Waleen, Klitschko, and Wilder, was hurt badly in the 12th and final round of all three of those fights and almost got knocked out in all three of those fights despite having a lead going into the 12th round in all three of those fights. When he gets tired, he's more susceptible to getting hit and hurt. That's probably why he, he, he did that in order to take a bigger punch. But you know what? Like my father used to say, no matter how big you are, if you have a shaky chin, you got a shaky chin. Period. Well, what did you think about the WWE stuff that Fury was doing, kind of on the side, and to some extent, like during the time when he was probably getting ready for this fight? Easy, easy paycheck, easy money, easy money. And if he and um, is, uh, my understanding, because I don't follow WWE, you, 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 Mister Insider, is is the, uh, there a is, there's a possibility that he might be at WrestleMania this year in a match, right? That was some. That was early rumors. I haven't heard that as much, but I'm sure 
we if that is the case, we will definitely hear about it after this fight. But I don't know. I I, I wonder if if he would lose if uh, Vince would still be into it. Um, a quick question: he he uh he had a he had a match in Saudi Arabia, right? Yes. He wasn't detained like the other talent was. He got out. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Was he on Vince's plane? (laughs) Him, 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 and Brock. Yeah, I don't. I don't. That's not going to affect him. That's not going to affect him. It was an easy paycheck. I don't know how much he got paid, but it was easy money. So on the on the uh, on the Wilder side. We watched him fight Luis Ortiz, and like you already mentioned, he's losing every single round. But there's a there's a sense of like, okay, like he's he's waiting to catch him, and that's exactly what happened. Like I don't think anybody was really super fearful of Wilder losing that fight at the time that he got the knockout. But that style, um, if he is going to wait and wait and wait like he did with Ortiz. You know, Fury Fury is a, a really damn good boxer himself. He's got the size and the length. Do you think he plays that same kind of waiting game with he, Fury as he did with Ortiz? The first fight with Fury, he, he fought Fury the same way he fought Ortiz. Yeah. He stalked. He stalked. He stalked. I hate that. I hate that about Wilder. When Wilder first won the world championship, and now he's been world champion five years, he won the title January 17th, 2015. In that fight against Bermaine Stavern, he boxed. He used his jab. He he went all 12 rounds behind a nice jab. He's got a nice jab. He's put it out to pasture. He's fallen in love with that right hand of his. I mean, yeah, I, I guess you call it the Beyonce of right hands. He fell mm-hmm, in love. You're gonna, mm-hmm. If you call fall in love with Beyonce, all right, you got Beyonce's your right hand. But he's neglected his jab. He's neglected the body. He does none of that. And it's going to cost him. It might cost him Saturday night. It, he, it's go, you cannot keep fighting like that. He's got to, in order to fight, in order to knock out Fury as convincingly as he should, he's got to take that jab out and jab with Fury. Jab with him. Don't walk around, let Fury dance around, shake his ass, land a couple of combinations, hold you while you're trying to land their right one right hand. Go behind that jab. It's easier that way. Mark Breland's his trainer, and I don't think he listens to Mark. I think he's <laughs> like he's like, Mark, I idolized you as a kid. Greatest United States amateur champion of all time, Olympic gold medalist. Don't tell me nothing, and you're on my payroll for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so so my follow-up to what you what you were just said, what you just stated as far as strategy, if Fury himself does decide to mix it up a little bit more. Does that just fall more so into Wilder's hands? Or could he actually, you know, hurt Wilder and and, and score uh, a knockout himself? I don't think so. If he tries to mix it up with Wilder, he's going to walk into a right hand. He's going to walk into a right hand. He needs to fight. The same way he did the first time, except not get hit by And Watch the replay of the knockdown in the 12th round when Fury went down and he rose from the dead. That right hand was a glancing right hand. It was Mm -hmm. the left hook. It was the left hook that dropped him. If that right hand landed cleanly, didn't land cleanly, it could have been the first death in the history of heavyweight championship boxing. That right hand barely glanced him. It was the left hook that, 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 that almost put him to sleep. And while this left hook is decent, it's not great. It's the right hand that is Beyonce. The left, <laughs> the left hand is Kelly Rowland. <laughs> <laughs> All right, prediction time. It sounds like you are leaning towards Wilder stopping this fight sometime. I, I don't know how early you think it's going to happen, but is that is that where you're leaning? It's not happening early. I think Fury is going to fight the same way he fought the first time. Forget all that pomp and circumstance. Forget about, oh, I've got bigger to mix. He's not mixing it up with, with Wilder. He's not that stupid. All right. It, Tyson Fury's a very intelligent boxer. He's going to box the same way. He's going to move, land a cup, a combination here, hold. 
land a combination there, hold. He's going to get tired as he wants. He always gets tired. And between rounds 9 and 11, Wilder would, will hurt him. And this time, even if Fury gets up, will finish him off. I predict a knockout between rounds 9 and 11. No 12th-round heroics by either fighter. I don't see the fight going into the 12th round. That fight's going to end between 9 and 11. If Fury does win, he can only win by decision because I don't see him taking a chance going toe-to-toe with Wilder. Yeah, I, that, I mean, that's that's pretty much my prediction, too. You know, I'm thinking, you know, later rounds 9-10 and, and Wilder gets the stoppage. But you talked about the possibility of a third fight be, that is drawn into the contract. If either man wins, do you think they immediately go into a rematch, or do you think they play a little bit more of a waiting game again? Uh, it, what's the sense of playing a waiting game? Right now, the heavyweight division is a three-headed horse. That's it. It's a three-headed horse. Until Daniel Dubois from England could prove that, and he's got a very good test coming up. He's fighting another young prospect in Joe Joyce. Dubois knocks out Joyce. Then he enters that 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 that, that possible fourth man. Also, Alexander Usyk mm-hmm. could be that fourth guy depending on who he fights next. Because I still think in a year or two, in a year to three, Alexander Usyk will be the next great heavyweight champion of the world. He's got all the skills. He's six foot three. The man's a tremendous fighter. I believe when the dust is settled out of all the heavyweights that are here today, he will be the best. Historically, you will look back and say, Usyk was the next great heavyweight after the Klitschko brothers. All right, man. Well, there you have it. We we will also post a a predictions piece. So you're getting our you're getting our prediction a little bit early, but uh, have other folks from Fight Game Media, such as Matt Prentice and Doing and uh, Carlos Ortiz from. Um, from Fightful, uh, he, I think he's going to add his too. So we'll have a love predictions piece on Friday, the day before the fight. But where will hey, you? When you hey, when you speak to Carlos next time, ask him, does he know how great of a name he has? How one of the greatest <laughs> Puerto Rican fighters of all time has that same name, Carlos Ortiz. And that man's son is an excellent boxing judge in the state of, uh, of state of New York. By the way, speaking of judges. They've got the A-team out for this Wilder Fury fight. You're not going to see scores from left, right, center. You've got three Hall of Fame judges and a Hall of Fame referee. Kenny Bayless, one of the best referees in the history of boxing. And you got Feldman, Weisfield, and Moretti, three of the greatest judges in the history of boxing. So I, 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 I don't see any shenanigans this time. Actually, I mi- I misspoke. I don't know why I called him Carlos Ortiz. His name is Carlos Toro. T O R O. Okay. So okay. That, that, that was my fault. I was I was uh, <laughs> I got a, I I had Luis Ortiz on on my brain, and I just I, I just did the name. But yeah, Carlos I, Toro. Sorry, Carlos. You know I yeah. love you. Yeah. All right. So um, you be watching this at the house? Is that the plan? Hey, I I haven't spent a dime. <laughs> I haven't spent a dime on any fights. Since my girlfriend got me a nice little Christmas present, uh, uh, 2018. Since then, no, actually, she gave it to me before Christmas. It was three weeks before Christmas. I went to see Neo in concert, and that night, she, oh, I'm going to give you your Christmas gift early so you can see the fight tonight. And as soon as the concert was over, she raced me to my house in a car. She went her way, and, I, and since then... Since the first Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder fight, I have watched every major fight for free. <laughs> just don't just don't be telling anybody your address, man. <laughs> hey, jo- John, John and I have talked about the old black box many a time on this show. Uh, man, let me tell you something, man. I, hey, did Big Dave have the black box? Because he had every pay per view in the world back in the day. Big Dave didn't have the black box, did he? <laughs> That's a good question. I gotta ask him. You gotta ask him that. Actually, man. I think I'm, I think I'm gonna watch the fight with him. He's kind of interested in watching this one. So yeah, I, it's funny. I it, I always wondered because I always had you've been in Dave's house. I always had this picture when back in the '90s when I when when I first started getting the Observer. I always had this picture that Dave's uh, living room. He had a big computer, 
uh, one of the big TV. Uh, you remember the big TV with the with the two one of the big bricks, one of yeah, the big yeah. bricks, right? With an illegal black cable box and all over the floor, hundreds to thousands of wrestling video <laughs> Yeah, Ada, you're you're probably not too far off there. <laughs> I could just. It, remember the old uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated and uh-huh. uh, After magazines where they had a a picture of this of this fictional writer called Matt Brock. Uh-huh. And you see him with the cigar and he's typing. Yeah. To me, to me, that was Dave. Except if you expand the picture, videotapes <laughs> all littered all over the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that should be a great experience. Um, is is John coming over too? I, I don't th- I don't think so. We got to save John. You know, John's got three kids now, so he's got to save know, his I time he, for and, like. And he's got. A, I know he's got a newborn too. Shout out to the Rock. Yeah, John LaRocca, the best book out there. Uh, this, one of these guys, one of these major groups, got to grab him up, man. I mean, come he's, on, he's there. He's waiting. He, he's licking his lips, waiting. You and you and him are the only ones that know how to uh, book Jungle Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'll be watching. I'll be watching it uh, in, in my crib with my girlfriend, bored to death. Like, oh, why are you watching this? <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be watching it, and um, on Twitter, I'll be tweeting my score after every round. Absolutely, at uh, give, give out your Twitter handle, Robert Silva. That's R O B E R T S I L V as in Victor A five seven six eight. Robert is a great follow if you are a boxing fan. So definitely go and do that. Um, Also, John and I will be back tomorrow with our normal show uh, talking about AEW Dynamite. We'll talk about the NXT Portland show that had just happened, whatever's going on at WrestleMania. Um, and yeah, so uh, so that that that's the show for here. So I want to thank Robert for hanging out. Really appreciate it. His work will be up as you listen to this, um, you will you will probably see his latest article. I will also tweet all of that stuff out from our at Fight Game Media Twitter handle. So go and follow that as well. But uh, for Robert, I'm Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.